Football Made Simple. Become great at your craft by finding ways to make it simple for those around you. This is the Coaching 101 Podcast, hosted by Find A Way Productions. With your co-host, Daniel Chamberlain and Kenny Simpson. What's up, coaches? This is the Coaching 101 Podcast. I'm Daniel Chamberlain, here with Kenny Simpson. How's it going, coach? It's going okay out here. If we could get the rain to stop just a bit, I know you're going through that too, but uh, been a good spring for us. We just have to practice through the rain, I guess. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, I'm not doing a spring practice this year. I'm changing teams and still looking for a landing place, but uh, we have a little homestead here. And so we were messing with goats. Uh, we uh, actually gave some goats to family. So we're out in a monsoon out here trying to chase little dolings. And I don't know if you've ever chased a little animal, but uh, they're fast. <laughs> <laughs> I consider myself pretty quick, and uh, they were putting on a show out there. But you know, coaches are supposed to be tough. You know, all my young coaches, you know, they go out there and it's raining and they're wearing a t-shirt, or it's cold and they're in short sleeves, or it's whatever. And I kind of have like a I coach basketball long enough. If it's under fifty or raining, I want to be inside. Like I don't really enjoy that kind of weather. I'll do it because I love football. Right. I'm not going to be the tough guy out there. You know, I'm wearing 15 jackets, <laughs> nine pairs of gloves, and a, and a big toboggan if it's under about 50 degrees. So, <laughs> I I do love the cold weather, so that's not usually an issue with me. Um, once you get wet, you're just wet, right? That's kind of from my motorcycle riding days. Like, you ride in a storm, who cares? Once you get wet, that's, there's only as wet as you can get. So, yeah. uh, you know, but kind of keeps things moving along, especially for coaches. Sidelines never fun uh, when it's too cold or too wet. I don't like the summer heat. So that's, you know, I picked a sport that to coach when I don't probably what two thirds of it is in the summertime or. Yeah, I or do. Real well hot. That, that doesn't bother me. My coach will laugh at me. I'll have pants and a long sleeve shirt and it's 98 degrees. I, I grew up in Florida, so it just doesn't bother me. But man, once it gets down to about 45 degrees in Arkansas, we get, and now you're in Oklahoma, so you probably know we don't get like pretty snow. We get like 33 degree rain with wind, and that's the worst weather on the planet. So, <laughs> oh man, that's good. Uh, my wife is a beach bum, and I hate the beach because it's hot and sandy. And I've just been places that it was hot and sandy, and I don't want to go back. So, right. I stay away from the beach. I'd rather go in the mountains and play in the snow. Well, man, it's uh, I know you talk about spring ball getting here and this will release in, you know, like a month or something. Everybody be like, what are y'all talking about? We're in summer pride. Right. Um, but it is spring ball time now. Um, how is y'all spring ball going? It's going well. You know, for us, spring, I used to be hardcore spring as a young coach. You know, we have to just run it just like the fall. And, and now we use it more of an evaluation tool, you know, not just for the players, but for us, you know, try new wrinkles, see what works and what doesn't work and try different kids in different spots, you know, and then of course for us, the biggest goal is to evaluate your new kids, you know, the kids that are, and they, they might not be new, but new potential starters, you know, so we spend a lot of time trying to develop depth more so than we probably would in the fall. And then we've got two or three kids. You know, my son has tweaked his ankle. I've got another starting safety who's got a kind of a tweaked hamstring. In the in the fall, those kids would probably, you know, tape it up and play. Right. But in the spring, we're like, nope, you're going to shut it down and you're going to be done because we've got a long time before our season. So 
we're a little different with the spring, but it's been good for us to kind of try some new stuff. And some has been really, really good. And some we know now that that's not going to be, you know, what we do in the fall. Right. Uh, since you mentioned injuries, I'm going to overstate this all the time. Quit using ice, quit using ibuprofen or any NSAIDs. Peace and love. Google it. There's a graphic. Peace and love. Soft tissue injury. Follow that. Quit using ice and ibuprofen. Now he's been uh, walking get... around it all weekend, so thanks for the advice there. <laughs> you'll uh, you'll get your players back a lot faster than you would um, using the old uh, rice. What was that? Whatever that's called. Um, Rest, ice, elevation, or compression, elevation. Yeah. So rice is out. Peace and love is in. Um, yeah. So, you know, Oklahoma spring ball is a little different. And I don't know where everyone's is different, I guess. And I hope we didn't talk about this last week because it was almost spring ball then. But we get, uh, if you go spring ball, you lose a team camp in the fall. And so it's like, as a coach, you almost have to make that choice. And, you you know, you can't have your incoming freshmen, which every school I've been to has been small. So we need them. We generally have at least one freshman starting on the field every year. Uh, I know a lot of schools are like, no, nah, they just play freshman ball and, and JV. But um, so it's nice to wait and get two team camps so you have everybody who's actually going to be there. And you don't know what kids are going to do in the summertime, how they'll develop or, you know, stay out of the weight room and undevelop, <laughs> develop in a negative way. So you know, a lot of coaches kind of opt for that. Just Let's just do all the team camps in the fall. We get an extra week of practice then versus – 10 days of non-contact and but now i see some people are having like spring games they're trying to look yeah. like colleges right yeah. i mean uh, florida alabama you know my mindset on that i had an old coach we went to this team camp in the summer he got all the kids every team all the kids on a knee and he said hey guys you're not going to win a state championship right now but you sure could lose it if we are idiots and hurt somebody you know and i think a lot of times in the spring number one goal needs to be the health of the kids and have a good time because here's what you have a lot. Well, I don't know what you're dealing with, but we have a lot of kids that are done with school. Like they don't even have to come to school, but they're going to come to practice and they're going to show up. We have good kids that will do that. But old me would have run off half of our sophomores by just being a tyrant to them. And now they wouldn't have played for me. Um, and now you lose kids that are burnt out at the end of school. They're ready for summer, just like you are. Yeah. Um, you know, so just be careful. You guys listen to this and you're in the middle of summer practice right now. You have guys that are voluntarily showing up, hopefully, at your program. And, of course, you have to maintain discipline. Everybody needs to be there. I get all of that stuff and believe all of that stuff. However, these kids get to be a kid one time in their life. So just remember that as you're going through the summer. And we have the same kids that have, it feels like, 55 vacations, church camp, everything going on. And our rule is just basically if you're – Living and breathing, and you're in our county, we expect you here. And if you are not, then, you know, go have fun with your family or whatever you're doing. Yep. Uh, I know a lot of coaches, uh, I can say where I've been, you know, it seems like we're always trying to build culture. I've not been to a school yet that just had a winning culture. Um, but it's almost that, you know, chicken or the egg, which came first situation. It's like, yes, you need summer pride to win in the fall, but you need to win in the fall for kids to commit to the team to come to summer pride. So it's right. that... You know, a lot of that, I think, has to do with just getting your scheme right in the fall and, and using what you have. Go win you seven, eight, nine games, and then see if that doesn't change your your summer yeah. workouts. First, we, first book – sorry, first book I wrote, I put that story about the frog. And I don't know if it's true or not. It's probably not true. I found it on Google. But basically, if you put a frog into a pot of boiling water, it will, you know, scream and jump out. But if you put it into a pot of water and you slowly turn the heat up, 
it will literally sit in the pot and boil to death and never escape. You got to kind of think about that with your kids when you're talking about changing culture. Like you were saying, is if you turn that heat up and you dump a bunch of kids that have never been in there, you may change the culture quickly, but you're probably changing it with half the guys that showed up. And you may not, you may have that option. You might have a hundred. Well, that's fine. 50 is fine. But if you're starting with 24, then that's 12 is not an option. Right. So you need to maybe kind of just consider your situations you were talking about. Well, man, if you want to uh, talk to us about how coaches can can find a, a simple way to get some IQ building in their players and their staffs, then uh, then we'll move on with our topic tonight. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so Coaching 101 Podcast is sponsored by Findaway Productions. Findaway Productions sponsors Offensive Coordinator Academy.com, which houses the Offensive Coordinator Academy, the Offensive Coordinator Workbook, multiple courses on receiver play, offensive line play, all kinds of things offense over at OffensiveCoordinatorAcademy.com. Also sponsors DefensiveCoordinatorAcademy.com, all things defense. The new Defensive Coordinator Academy, Defensive Coordinator Workbook, Defensive Line Academy, Defensive Line Workbook. You can kind of see we're trying to spread out to every position in the world of defense and offense. It also sponsors FBCoachSimpson.com. Uh, FBCoachSimpson.com houses the gun T offense, the full system, multiple materials, about 30 books, also the three, four swarm headsets, which is the free coaches magazine. And now if you're listening to this podcast and you would like information on when the next podcast is coming, you can go to FBCoachSimpson.com slash podcast. And over there, you can sign up to get on our list. We will email you every time we release one of these episodes or any other materials that are coming out that you might be interested in getting. It's over at fbcoachsimpson.com slash podcast. Awesome. Uh, I'd like to also quickly mention Adaptable PT Physical Therapy. Uh, it's our new clinic, my wife and I. It's in Grove, Oklahoma. Um, Dr. Samantha Chamberlain is her name. She's the head honcho there. She tells me what to do. She's my boss, but I'm the admin side, so I still get to be the boss. Uh, but she... Specialize in concussions and, of course, injuries, injury prevention, sports performance. Um, it doesn't matter the age. She's good with youth. She's uh, specialized in geriatrics as well. So uh, if it's your kids, your players, your mom, your grandparents that are injured, bring them in. Um, and she's her big thing is, you know, old, not weak. So don't don't let yourself sit around and become sedentary just because, you know, age is starting to add up. Doesn't matter how many birthdays you had. Uh, there's 96-year-old women that are powerlifting for competition, and they started in their 70s. So. Uh, don't let anything hold you back. That's just an excuse. And she'll tell you that. She's pretty mean to me about when I say, oh, I'm hurting because something on me hurts. She's like, who cares? Go move. Movement mm -hmm. is medicine. So, all right. Appreciate it, coach. Uh, so we'll jump right in here. So how we're, we're talking staff or, or coaching organization tonight. So when you're talking about how to organize your staff, whether it be positions, um, where to put your experienced guy, you know, which side of the ball should you be a coordinator on? If you're the head guy, should you do, should you have a coordinator role? Do you need to give those up? So we just want to talk all things um, coaching staff organization tonight. First question is, how should we organize our staff? Uh, there's a lot of different ways you can do this. So and we're all in unique situations. So let's kind of hit the first thing you said, Daniel, you kind of talked about, you know, you're the head. I'm assuming we're talking to head coaches here. So you're the head coach. You just got the job. So you need to sit down and evaluate what kind of situation you have because they're all different. You know, I don't know if you're at a school with a staff of 30, like you're a Texas coach, that you just have a left tackle coach and a kicker coach, or if you're a 
kind of Arkansas where we just kind of get what we get, or you're in wherever you are where it might be a staff of four and you're getting volunteers. I, you know, we're all in different staffs. So in an optimal world, you'd want to be a head coach and be able to bring in coordinators on both sides of the ball. That doesn't always happen, and you might not have a guy ready for that position. So a lot of times a head coach is kind of serves kind of a dual purpose, and that's what I'm going to mainly talk to when I'm answering this question. So, like, you might be the head coach slash offensive coordinator or the head coach slash defensive coordinator. I My first job, I was a head coach slash defensive coordinator. I had to get rid of an, an offensive coordinator. I uh, don't really want to go into a lot of personal reasons there, but then I've switched over and became a head coach slash offensive coordinator, and I've been that pretty much the rest of my career. So I've always had a, a coordinator underneath me, but pretty much I did a lot of the heavy lifting on one side of the ball. So kind of coming from that mindset, now I'll start to answer your question. I'll be too long-winded. So first thing you got to do is you got to kind of rank what's most important to you. Uh, for me, the coordinator away from you is the most important guy you're going to have on your staff. Now that guy is going to be able to do uh, one, you're going to give him a lot of responsibility. He's going to have time where he is basically a head coach of that side of the ball. So the way his culture rubs off on them needs to reflect your culture. He needs to be someone you can trust. And also somebody who's very capable in what they're doing. Um, then you have to, okay, so that's number one. Uh, number two for me is always offensive line guys. Like I'm always trying to find guys that coach offensive line. I just think those guys are super important. I know we're going to talk probably more about that as we go through here, but I think that guy is hard to find. It's, it's hard to find really good O-line coaches. So then you kind of rank your position coaches after that. I usually will work from there. Okay, we have three guys now. We have me, a coordinator away from me, and a line guy. Okay, well, if, if we were the only three that existed, you know, that might be your staff. You know, right. and I might coach DBs or whatever, and he might coach, uh, the coordinator might coach something else. But if you can add from there, we're going to hire the best available guy wherever he falls. And then as a head coach or a DC, I'm going to expect one of us to pick up where we need to pick up. So the next best guy we hire is a really good receiver DB coach. Well, then I'll go coach quarterbacks or I'll go coach running backs or whatever it is. And then we're going to hire the next best guy we can find. And so, we may, and then, and then within that, you might hire a guy who is the fifth hire, and he's coached DBs his whole life. But you know, where you're going to move him somewhere else. Well, I'm looking to hire people, not just guys who coach a certain position. And so, we're going to hire the best kind of guy that we can do, that we can find. Then we're going to look at okay, now once we've made our hires, so now once we've made our hires, we're going to look at okay, what jobs need to be done outside of football. So I'm not just talking about like coaching positions, but you got to have a weight room guy. Okay. Is that going to be you or is there a guy on your staff that can run that? You know, that's an extremely important position because that guy pretty much is going to have the tenor or the, the, the kind of the culture of your off season program. So if you don't have a guy on staff ready for that, it probably needs to be you. If you do have one, you know, then that's awesome. You got to have somebody that can help you with fundraising. You got to have somebody that can help you with uh, media, like a communications kind of guy. Somebody that can help you with uh, relating to the kids, ordering equipment. Somebody that can help you with technology. You know, all of these things that a head coach needs to do. And we want to use the guys on our staff in the role they're capable of doing to kind of work on that. So we're going to organize our staff 
not just by what position they coach, but by what and I'm putting quotation marks here if you're listening to this on audio, or what other <laughs> duties okay that they do. So if those guys are really good at whatever it might be, we want to put them to work in that area. Okay. And then finally, we're I'm always looking for like diversity on my staff. I think it's extremely important. Our goal as coaches is to reach as many kids as possible. So there's the obvious diversity, like it'd be great to have different ethnic groups on our staff. Of course you want that. There's also the age range. I want older and younger coaches on my staff. Then you look at, I'm a big guy. We've talked about this before in this podcast of hiring non-traditional guys, like guys that have army background or guys that have worked in the real world uh, or guys that are you know coming from somewhere different. Maybe a guy who isn't from our area and then also a guy who is a graduate from this school. As much diversity as you can have in all things on your staff, if you are capable of balancing that as a head coach, is a very good thing. Now, you have to understand there needs to be a common goal, and you have to be able to kind of control that diversity and point it in the right direction. Uh, but if you can, I think every coach needs to do that. And I think when you look at even at the highest levels in the NFL – you're seeing guys that hire their friends and they all look the same and they all talk the same. And there's a reason those guys never win. And then you're seeing guys that I don't know why it's outside the box. I think it was the giants coach who talked about how he hired based off of interviews and based off of who was the best candidate, not off of who he knew and not surprisingly how the giants did last year. Pretty dang good. Because right. when you bring in good coaches, not friends, you're going to have much more success. So sorry, long-winded answer there, Daniel. Oh, that's okay. Uh, you. You're spot on. Unfortunately, for that last part, it is often you know who you know, uh, not what you know. And I actually heard a pretty good one. I was over at Tulsa this this spring, I'm watching some of theirs, and they said it's not even who you know; it's just who remembers you when you walk in the room. So <laughs> it may not even be the guy that you know of that has met you, but who can remember your name? So um, yeah, that unfortunately does sometimes trump football knowledge. Um, I what you said about you know younger coaches, older coaches. Honestly, the least valuable call, uh, uh, coach seems to me would be like someone fresh out of college who's trying to break in, right? They they don't bring anything to the table except they're easy to mold. I mean, I got an entire job on the first podcast would just never have done anything. And I talked to another guy that's been in you know media for years, and he was like, I can't believe you got a spot on a big podcast like that, and you've never touched one. And I was like, I sold myself as moldable. Like, I am... What do you want me to be? Make me that. I don't come here with any bad habits or whatever, right? So that is a coach that you can take. Like you said, he's definitely not going to bring another culture. Um, you may have to make sure he doesn't bring college culture to him, you know, his, well, and, uh, and his guys, off the field time. But. You know, my staff I've got right now, we've got a guy who we, I call Grandpa Weaver. His name's Coach Weaver. He probably isn't listening to this podcast. If he is, Coach, it's a podcast. He, he is a grandpa, you know, but he's the older guy on our staff. And then we have a, like you said, a brand new, right out of college guy. And here's what that guy brings to the table. He can relate to kids that will never come talk to me. They'll never come talk to me. Right. But to him, man, I know everything that's going on because those kids let him know. And guess what happens? It filters. What's what I need to know? I don't need right. to know all of it. But what I need to know filters up to me from him. And so that guy's relationships with those kids are way better than me and the older coaches are. Right. You know, and then on the flip side, we can bring to him the experience of, okay, that's great. We have a good relationship here. 
you know, and he does a great job of this. So I'm not just not just chip picking him, but now let's talk about having a professional kind of lines between player and then now how you can get on them and how you can. But man, that guy I, to me, I know you, I know what your thought process was, and I agree with you that yeah, maybe they don't bring a lot X and O wise, but those guys can relate so well to the young guys. And as I've gotten older, I know I've got to have probably two or three of those on my staff. If you're in the opposite end of this, so you're a young head coach, go find two or three older guys. You know, you want to go balance out because if you're a young head coach, you probably are going to be able to relate to your kids more so than an old balding guy like me. You know, <laughs> so I've got to kind of balance myself out with these guys. Yep. Um, yeah, and I, I really like what you said about when you're talking about the duties, right? So fundraising, technology, communication. Uh, make sure you have a collegiate liaison, someone who's staying up with the college side. Because, look, I'm just a, an assistant. I'm I'm a nobody on the staff, but I'm still trying to help every kid get to if they want to play college ball. Um, I know that someone will take them, and I'm trying to help them get there. Now I'm not great at it yet. I'm still learning the ropes myself, but we can at least make sure they're taking the right classes, right? Make sure that they can go play college ball uh they're not limited by anything keep working on their gpa their grades um so just i that's another position i would say you really need to think about um we handle all of our program. you know and you mentioned you talked about college liaison that's huge but you also need somebody if you're not talented at it that can promote your program because i know recruiting is illegal and so i definitely don't do things that are illegal however you have to sell your program through social media, through the news, through the, you know, the local newspaper, through the TV. You know, if you're not speaking or putting stuff out for your program, no one else is going to do it. And so that's another big one. A lot of times those will be at the same guy, yeah. that guy who's going to promote you. He's also going to have great contacts with the media, potentially college coaches. You know, that's the way your program develops is, why do kids come play for you? you know, Daniel, if you're a head coach, you're trying to get a guy, why do you want to come play here? You just moved into this area. What can we offer you? You know, you have to be able to answer those questions honestly. You know, what? What? why is our school better than X, Y, or Z? You know, we're not going to go out and illegally recruit people, but we do want to make sure they're aware of what we can do for them. Yep. And, and, uh, one of our assist, our other coaches this week, he called Twitter the LinkedIn for coaches. Yes. It is It is very, very – I mean, that's where all the networking happens is on Twitter. And that's something you can sell to kids. Like, look, we do have this thing going for us. We do sell the program on on Twitter, and, and coaches can see you to recruit you at different colleges and everything else. So, well, we, got, uh, we yeah. got a kid – our kid got two offers, and uh, so far he's got a D1 offer and D2 offer, and he's got more coming, I think. At least one, probably both of those was through a contact that I had through Twitter who met the kid. Then he liked the kid earned the scholarship. It's all him. It's not nothing to do with me. But because of that connection, he at least looked at the kid. Right. And now the kid has an offer. Yep. We uh, we even had an issue this year where it seemed like everything that had been written about our program was negative. And, I, you know, three wins in five seasons will get that for you. You know, you go 0-10 three years in a row, that's – there, there might be a reason for that negativity. And the kids had just developed that very resentful play and, and everything they did was just bad character. You know, it just wasn't a good place. And so when we started changing the culture and we called it changing the narrative, 
I started writing the newspaper articles. Like, <laughs> you don't, I mean, that's how you control it, right? Because what you said was no one else is writing it. What we found was, yeah, they're writing it, but they're writing it in a negative light, right? They're, they're going to sell you as like, oh, same old, same old. The, the negative stuff continues. No, we just changed it. We just made it football, made it, you know, a, a bonus for the kids to have their name in the paper. So their parents weren't embarrassed to pick up a newspaper for sure. Right. Um, so moving on to the second part here, Netter, what are the key positions to ensure are, are coached well? And, you kind of touched this on rankings of importance, but um, you know you mentioned O line coach. So where why is O line so important? Well, to me, and Andy Reid just had an interview just you know a couple of weeks ago uh, where he talked about the hardest position to coach is the offensive line. If you can coach that spot, you can coach any spot in football, in my opinion. You know the quarterback coach gets a lot of the glory, and he should. I mean they do a good job. You know, but coaching the offensive line, you are working with guys that are basically generally not super athletic compared to the rest of the kids on the field. I'm not trying to be ugly to offensive line. They're not going to get a huge reward. You know, they're not going to carry the ball or be in the newspaper. You know, so you are now having to motivate kids, get them to play above their ability, sacrifice for somebody else. And that's just the motivational part, not counting all the technical part that's way harder than I can really get into. And where you have to talk about, are we going to run gap scheme or zone? Do I understand gap scheme enough to make adjustments inside of every run we have and the multiple fronts we're going to see? Do I have the intelligence and the ability to not only understand how I would change it, but get our kids to understand that? So offensive line coach, in my opinion, and, and I've had multiple staffs where I've had two or three offensive line coaches that just coach different positions because I'm always paranoid I'm going to lose one of them. You know, and it's hard to go find them. So yeah. a lot of times I'll have an offensive line coach, and then I'll have a guy coaching the D line that could coach the O line, and a guy who would be coaching tight ends that could coach the O line. Because I think you can't have enough of those guys. And if you don't believe me, coach the O line for a year and just <laughs> see how hard you know that is. So that's not my number one spot. Um, oh, other than what we kind of mentioned already, that coordinator away from you, uh, that guy is going to be. You know, in the coaching world, we we will always want to hope that guys are loyal and they want the same things that we do. And, you know, especially since you probably hired this guy, you hope. But if you're ever going to get sabotaged, that's where it's going to come from. It's usually the other side of the ball. Because here's what happens in football. Almost every year, one side, the offense or the defense, has the better kids, you know, and so they do better than the other side. That's just part of the game. So some years – you might score a bunch of points, but you give up a bunch of points. Some years you, you have a pretty decent defense, but your offense struggles. And those are the moments when loyalty will be tested with the kids and with the coaches. And so that guy's got to be a guy you can trust in that situation one way or the other, whether he's the guy who's doing really well or not doing really well. And then he's also got to be a guy you have to give freedom to. You know, and so you have to allow this person within guidelines, you know, certain guidelines you have to have the freedom to make personnel decisions in game, to make play calls in game, to make adjustments in game, to handle other guys on your staff, uh, because that role is basically the, the role before you become a head coach. And so that's a huge role. So that's the number two one. And then one I think that's overlooked a lot is I think a lot of times we, we hire all these people and then we go, well, who's going to coach your ninth grade or your junior high, whoever, and you give it to like the worst guy on the staff, okay? <laughs> or you give it to the least experienced guy on the staff, or you don't care 
or you have relegated a guy who you didn't think was good enough to be on the varsity staff to go down to the junior high. Okay. That's a big mistake. You know, that is kind of the gatekeeper to the kids coming to you. I don't personally think the junior high coach has to be some X and O guru. It's great if they are, but what they need to be is somebody the kids want to play for, you know, and, and usually winning games helps that. So they need to be somebody who has good mentality that can relate well to the kids they can get kids out into the hallway, and then you have to trust them again to run pretty close to your system when you go run the varsity team. You can't coach both, right? So they have to be somebody that you know. Like, Here's our non-negotiables: do this, 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 and this. Um, and when they do that, you're going to have success. You know, at Southside, that's when we really started turning the corner. Uh, we had a, a guy do junior high for us uh, named John Johnston. He did a great job for us for about six, seven, eight years there with our junior high program. Well, that success filtered up to me. You know, he was getting kids out. He was good with them. He had a good mentality with them, good coach, taught them well, and they worked their way up to me in senior high. And then the fruits of that labor kind of showed up. Before then, we had gone through like two or three coaches in two or three years. You know, it's hard to kind of have – fluidity in your program you know if you don't have somebody down there and i'd even say the same thing with like your youth program i don't know how much control you may have on your youth program but you need to make sure that the people involved in that are not running kids away from your program because it's easy to say well they're not really associated with us well if they're wearing your jersey with your name on it they are associated with you whether you want it to be that way or not because perception is reality. So if that's the case, you need to make sure you have somebody down at those levels that is representing as good as possible, you know, what you want them to represent. So right. don't neglect those areas. I understand, you know, none of us as a varsity head coach signed up to coach third graders or fifth graders or even seventh graders. I didn't sign up for that. I don't really personally enjoy that. So I want to coach high school kids. Right. However, I've now been at a place going on 11 years now where I've been able to see the full cycle where they came in as third graders cycled all the way up to seniors. And I saw the benefits for doing things the right way at the lower levels. And I would say a lot of coaches, you don't see that I probably won't even be here when they come through. Well, I didn't think I was either. And here I am. You know, and I'm glad that we did things right with those kids. <laughs> you even tried to get away and you had to I come did. back. I did. I right back. Right. <laughs> oh, man, that's awesome. Um, so I, you know, I, I would like to think that everybody believes the O-line coach is the most important. Like you said, after the coordinator, we're talking just position coaches. Um, and I, that coordinator, man, it's that's a tough one, the opposite side, because – we all know who gets fired if you win or if you lose games, right? It's not the the other coordinator. And so you really are, I mean, that is the guy that you're putting in good faith is going to help you make a successful career in hopes that they get to go on and kind of ride that coattail or that wave of success and, and get a job. And, and then they have to pass that on to someone and they have someone be loyal to them. Um, but I think O-line absolutely is the most important. My second one is, is cut, uh, Somewhere between, I think it's free safeties and DBs, um, maybe linebackers. And it sounds like the simplest, but it probably is linebackers, honestly. I think linebackers have the hardest job on the field because they're the only people on any snap that they have two directions to go, right? They, 
They have to come play the run, and they have to drop and play the pass. Now, our free safety also plays the run pretty heavy in our scheme, um, but he's a late run help. He's our alley fitter. Those linebackers cannot can't be late. They can't hesitate, right? They've got to come play the run. But also, <laughs> we we expect them to be back and pass and taking away, you know, those hooked curl zones and a low hole in the center of the field, whatever. So, man, those kids, if you have someone who's really good at stopping the run, great. You're going to yell at him when he doesn't stop the pass. If you have a kid that can run with anybody, if they want to, you know, take a, a, a tailback on a vertical, he can stop him, but he may miss some tackles in the run game, and you're going to yell at him. So, man, they're really torn. I think they're the most torn position in football are those linebackers. So, any any coach that can get there and get their minds right, um, you know, Joe talks about the ASCA, so the uh, alignment stance, key reads, and assignment. If you can get them, a, a coach that understands that within the defense coordinator scheme and they can have these cats ready to go, I think that is, that's worth their weight in gold, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Everyone else kind of has one job. D-line's just got to go, right? Uh, maybe you got to spill or wrong arm or whatever you want to call it. Um, DBs need to not get beat deep. But, uh, you know, those linebackers really have two ways to go. So I think that's probably my next favorite position, coach, or most important, I should say. Yeah, I'd I'd agree with that. I think DBs are up there, too, obviously, even quarterbacks. There's a lot of – each position has its own difficulty. I think those are – the one you mentioned was a tough one. And I'd also say if you're in the position where you're head coach and you can bring a young guy in, you know, who has desires to move up, uh, letting them have the, the title coordinator while they work underneath you, I think it's a good thing. I've had multiple guys who were offensive coordinators. Uh, they did a lot of the legwork. You know, I called the plays on Friday nights, but they did a lot of the legwork of scouting, of preparing the game call sheet. I'm letting them script a lot of our practice, helping me come up with the game script for the game Friday night. And so they're getting a lot of that experience, uh, taking a lot off of your plate because as a head coach, if you're the head coach slash OC, you're not going to be as good an OC as if that's all you did. It's right. just not going to happen. I had one year in the last 15 years where I've not been a head coach, and that was the best year I've ever called plays in my entire life because that's all I had to do. You know, I didn't have to worry about all the other crap that head coaches deal with. Um, but if you can bring a guy on and he might be young and working up and letting him kind of get that experience, you know, I've had, I've had guys that by week seven, eight, how hey, you got this drive. And just they, they, you and them are in sync, you know, let them have it. You know, right. so that's a good role for a young coach. It will help you as well. And again, you're just helping that, that younger guy advance his career a lot quicker by being able to give himself that title coordinator. Yep. Uh, and then, you know, you talked about the head junior high or, or uh, JV head coach or the freshman head coach. All those can be one guy. All those can be different guys. I think everyone needs that experience that I am the man, I, and, you know, they generally end up calling the offensive plays. So they really play that dual role head coach, offensive coordinator, the lower teams. And if it is a guy like you just mentioned, like he's titled my OC, but I'm calling the plays on Friday night, that's a great place to put him. Like you're yeah. calling the plays every other night. I'll be on the headset on top of the booth, watching how the game's going on, maybe giving you some pointers, but this is your game plan. This is your game. Um, you know, I've seen where people – completely like they don't scout their their lower teams at all so i've seen no film swap for freshman and jv or junior high and then this past year i was introduced to they swapped every film like it was friday night but we're going out on a monday or a thursday or whatever and they kind of had a game plan together so i thought that was pretty neat Mm -hmm. um yeah so that is also a very important role definitely not just one to give to the 
the next the next or the lowest lackey on the the crew right welcome to football also you're a freshman head coach so right uh last part here so how can we develop a staff so how do you um where do you send your your coaches off to become more educated in football or better football iq well i mean you know that there's more football available now for this generation of coaches than probably ever has been around and that's one of the things that I have a passion for, obviously, Dan, or you have a passion for. We want to put out information for coaches. There's a lot of ways guys can learn football. We're just going to give you a couple of them here. Uh, one, I think old school clinics. I, mean, I think that's the way to go. Um, I've actually had our coaching staff where they've presented. So, like, I know you came to the national clinic we had in Batesville. Mm-hmm. Well, I had three of my position coaches, four of them actually, either did a session or did an on-the-field deal. Well, how much do you think those guys were stressing that? A ton, because they're about to be in front of people talking football, guys who know football. So you can't get, you know, you can kind of, you can kind of, you know, say whatever you want in front of kids. They're really not going to call you out, but you get in front of a bunch of coaches and start saying crap that doesn't matter or doesn't mean anything. You're going to feel bad. So coaching clinics is great. (laughs) If you can somehow even do a local one, where they have to present, you know, that's where they're going to learn the most. And so that's been a big thing we've done. Um, I'd recommend you give them authority. You know, like to me, uh, we do a lot of different themes. So we do a theme each week. Uh, That's where I actually wrote those two books, Team Themes 1 and 2. And so that's where those came from. Like we did those, one at Searcy, one at Southside. Well, that's where that book came from, was basically – our coaches each took a week. They had a word of the week, and then they did something Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday with that theme. That could be quotes. It could be a video. It could be whatever. It could be discussion questions. It could be personal stories. It was whatever, but it was something that meant something to them. They got in front of our team, and then a lot of times those guys, right before we walk out Friday to play a game, that's the guy who talks to the team. Right. You know, and so that guy kind of got his chance to be in front of the team all week talking about that theme, what it meant, got to talk about it in front of the game. And so you're giving that coach a chance to really have a little bit of authority. And then we do a lot of positional specific awards like, you know, you do in the weight room all the time, like thousand pound club or fastest guy or whatever. We do like offensive line shirts. I think one year we had the defensive line. They called themselves the war dogs. It was something where they made their own shirt. You know, our DBs were the, I don't even know what they were called, with the bomb <laughs> squad with our seats. So they all kind of come up with their own unique thing. And as long as it doesn't get out of hand, you know, where it's us versus you, it's cool, I think, for a coach to take some ownership and pride. You know, with our, our tight ends call themselves the hybrids club. You know, I thought that was cool. And they related to their coach with that. That kind of stuff, let them run their own film. I know this sounds simple but if you have eight coaches why are you watching film with one group of 40 you know you're not accomplishing what you want to accomplish i don't care if you go in a closet with an ipad you know let them go in smaller groups with their coach the reason a lot of times we don't do that is because as coaches we haven't told our coach what we expect for them when we watch film you know so you got to do that on the front end but once you've done that allow your coaches to coach you know i think that's kind of a it can be a tough deal and then the last thing I've got on here, like as you're trying to develop them, is ask them what their goals are. Like I've got an older coach on my staff. I already mentioned him. You know, he just wants to hang around and coach football and be around kids and, and influence kids and coaches. 
And so that's his goals. So like, I'm not going to give him a bunch of extra duties. Like right. he doesn't need extra duties, but I've got probably two or three guys on my staff. We want to be a head coach one day soon. Okay. Well, you want, you want that. Well, now let's give you these extra jobs, uh, these extra responsibilities. That doesn't mean it's bad. I'm not just dumping work on them, but if you want to be a head coach, you need to kind of know some of these things that aren't as fun, like disciplining kids or sitting in parent meetings or fundraising, you know, just those things that you're going to be getting those jobs. And I'm not giving them to you because I don't like you. I'm giving them to you so that you can be ready for when your moment comes to go be a head coach. Yep. Um, I like, uh, I think clinics are valuable. But I think a lot of the times, and, and I'm going to speak poorly about like the Glazier side here, and I, I don't mean anything against Glazier at all, um, but that that new Glazier folder file, whatever they call it, um, it'll come to me later. But where you can go and watch all of the clinics and all the football you want. It's YouTube, but for football, right? I just, I think that there's a lack of value there because you're not learning specific things. You're not learning how to coach. You're just watching a million X's and O's, and that does not make you a football coach, right? It doesn't matter how good you are with that, that dry erase pen in your hand. What can you do through the summer, through the 10-week season, and maybe some playoffs at, you know, five days a week at practice? Like, that's where your coaching shows up, and there's not one of those YouTube videos that's going to save you mm-hmm. when it comes to, uh, to coaching. So I think some type of an educational tool. So mine, my personal route, um, you know, I learned from Joe's system, and Joe's system was – awesome to me. I think I got 10 years of experience in Joe's system in one year. Um, legitimately, I, I have had or conversations with my current head coach now, uh, you know, and I'm, I'm looking for a place to go to coach next year. And I have questions now. I'm not just going to jump on the first job opportunity. I want to know, am I going, am I going to be the most educated coach in the room at, with football? Or can I also be developed, right? I still have development to do. And I want someone that can help me attain another level of, of football IQ. Um, but that's a conversation he and I can have. Like, no, you legit know more football than maybe the head coach at that place. You probably don't want to go there. And it's because of the system that I use to get into football. It is more than X's and O's. You know, it's kind of like when you bring your freshman in, um, and, and every level does this. I've, I, when I was at Tulsa, I asked them, and they call it uh, day one, page one. Page one, day one. Doesn't matter. Whatever route you want to put that order, you want to put those in. But that's where you bring your freshman in, and you teach them what are the field dimensions, right? Um what are all the position letters? What is a forefront? What is a three front? What's a cover three? What is a cover two? What is what does that stuff mean? Not just the X's and O's of it, but like why do we call it cover three? Well, we know it's pretty simple, right? You got three deep coverage. But your freshman players don't know that. They've probably been poorly coached at a position that may or may not fit uh for, for two or three years now in football. So you have to do that with your players and you gotta do that with your coaches too. Because the same thing, maybe they quit in high school and all they played was outside linebacker like I did. And they weren't very good at that. And they didn't touch the offensive side of the ball. Um, they didn't know what gap scheme, zone scheme, what's power, uh, what is, you know, whatever, mesh or rail, or what do all these words mean? They don't know. Um, maybe they went to college and played a touch. Maybe not. Um, you don't know. You know, so that experience, you really have to get, I think, get all of your coaches on the same level. And the best way to do that is with some type of an instructional system on how to coach 
football. And it does start with X's and O's because you're useless at practice, in my opinion. <laughs> if you don't at least know your positions, X's and O's, you need to know the big picture at some point pretty soon um, and, and then kind of move on from there. But So I think that's the best way to develop your staff. And, and I like what you said about giving authority and asking their goals. All that is great. Um, very much so, but I think it really starts with that. Let's get you on this tier of coaching level of coaching IQ, if you will. Uh, and then we can build on that. Right. And that's why we put those workbooks out to an offensive coordinator workbook, defensive coordinator workbook, head coach workbook is because it's like you mentioned, I can tell you what I do and that might help you like that might help you. You, you kind of mentioned you go to like the, I think it's called the Glazer drive. It is. Glazer. Drive. Thank a, you. I was a, trying to think Google drive, but it didn't. There's a wealth of information there, a ton, almost like too much. I, I agree. Uh, but the reality is I can tell you, someone else can tell you, you know, Daniel can come tell you, but until you work through the process yourself, you didn't learn anything. That's why we put those workbooks out. Yep. It was, we give you kind of an example we give you a scenario and then you work through the process of what you would do, not what I would do or he would do or they would do or she would do or whatever. What would you do? Then we have a whole section on the defensive coordinator workbook where they write through all their terminology. What does this word mean to you? What's it going to mean to your coaches? What's it going to mean to your players? And so, because, you know, I mean, you, we can get on here all, for whatever defensive coaches are the worst about like, <laughs> let's call the same thing five different names. Is it a fourth, yeah. a contain, you know, is it an edge? All that means the same. What does it mean in your system? And so that's why we put those workbooks out. Also, why we put those two academies out was to try to help guys go through what they want to do. Because I think a lot of times as coaches and humans in general, so I'm not trying to just pick on coaches, but we want path of least resistance. Just tell me the answer. You see that all, just tell me the answer. You don't get any better if I just tell you the answer every time. You get a whole lot better when you work through the process and find the answer. And nobody wants to do that because that's hard. And so, but it has been probably why we've got now, Daniel, I think we're almost at a thousand guys that have gone through the Offensive Coordinator Academy. That's awesome. Um, and those guys, I think it's been a really good deal for them to work through that process on their own. Yep. Uh, you know, I experienced that with with Coach Franks. He's Dominic Franks over at Tulsa. And I, I went and just was trying to pick his brain about some coverage. And he would just teach me little things. And I'm like, okay, Dom. So how do I make that work in my cover three? And he's like, however you want. I'm like, no, I want the answer. Like what you said, right? And he's like, you, you figure it out, do whatever you want out there. It's, right. it's either going to win or not. Like it's, it's on you, man. I taught you this little piece. I'm like, okay, well, he's that's how this is going to be. And, and you're probably at a two way high school. So it needs to look different. <laughs> right, right, right. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's part of it, right? And my answer isn't your answer and it never will be like until, you know, Hey, Tulsa, I'm, I'm hireable right now. So right. Yeah, if you want to reach out, I'll take a job over there. And then we can all coach on the same stuff. But um, yeah, so development staff, I think it's something that coaches want. Coaches with any experience at all, are that's what they're looking for. You talk about selling your program for kids, for social media, same thing with your coaches. If I'm going to show up and be the most educated or the highest football IQ, I, I don't want to be there. And maybe you have a very successful program because of kids, because of some luck. But if it's because of staff development, you know, that's where a coach wants to go. So, um, yeah, coaching. I love it. Uh, so we're going on to our next section now, and we've got, uh, we've got a little secret part here tonight. We'll get to it at the end. But first, we're going to touch into the everyone's new favorite, and that's what not to do as a coach. So why don't you fill us in on today's lesson, Coach? Sure. Uh, so today's lesson on what not to do as a coach is do not micromanage. 
And I'm preaching to myself as I say all of this because most coaches, most, I think, successful people that are organized have a tendency to micromanage. That's usually what made you successful is the idea that I can do it myself. I will figure it out. I'm driven. I want to be the best I can be. And unfortunately, while that has a lot of great qualities to it, it's not always the best quality for a leader. Uh, when you are a leader and you micromanage, what happens is you might have a staff of 20, but there becomes a huge bottleneck at the top where everyone doesn't won't take a step forward. They won't answer anything because it's all clogging at you because they're worried about approval. Uh, if guys are now there needs to be a healthy fear of a leader. I believe that I think there needs to be a healthy, healthy understanding of if I mess up, I'm going to get called out for that. So maybe fear is the wrong word there, but healthy, nah, I need to good. do what I'm supposed to do, right? However, there doesn't need to be a paralyzing fear permeated from the leader where nobody is willing to step out and take a chance because they're worried that you've created an environment where if it's not exactly what you wanted, you're going to get rid of them. So to me, I come up with what I call the 80-20 rule. This may help you micromanagers that might be listening to the podcast. Here's what I look at it. So let's say Daniel's on my staff. If Daniel can do this job 80% as good as I can do it, I need to walk away and let him do it. Because what's going to happen is Daniel's going to get better as he goes. He might, he'll probably surpass me quickly. And now I can allocate that time to an area where I don't have a coach who can do the job 80% as good as me. So it's been an 80%, it could be 70, it could be whatever you've decided in your number. But a lot of times what that means is it might not look exactly like I wanted it to look, but it fell within the parameters of what I expected. And right. so I'm going to allow that coach to do things different than I probably would have done it as long as we're hitting certain parameters. And if you don't allow that to happen, one, coaches will leave because nobody wants to work for that guy. Two, you'll get extremely frustrated. And then three, nothing will get done because everybody will watch you work because they don't know what you want them to do. So that right. was lesson for today. Do not micromanage. And, uh, you know, there's something that we talk about in the military a lot. Obviously, we have leaders that can micromanage because we we work on that. Like you're not supposed to have more than five to seven people under you at any given time. And you're that's how many you give orders to. And they have five to seven that they give orders to and on and on and on. Right. Um, but the more you give things away. So the more that I can let you take over a, a project or whatever, right? The more that I can delegate, the more power you get. And I don't know why that is, but if you're the guy that's running around like a chicken with your head cut off and trying to make sure everything gets done exactly to your high standard all the time, you're going to burn yourself out and everyone sees it. They know. And like you said, they're afraid to step outside the line and have a creative idea because, nope, I'm going to get my hand smacked and have to get back on the line. Um, so if I can delegate, you always look cool, calm, and collected. Um, it allows you a chance to think of higher, you know, higher things to to deal with. Um, and I I kind of try to do that from the bottom. So as an assistant coach, that's really where I go. Hey, head coach, here's what you need to do. You need to deal with admin. You need to deal with parents. You need to, you know, at this point, call the plays on Friday night. I'll do everything else for you. Like why do, you shouldn't have to do anything else. So that's that's kind of where I try to do as an assistant coach. And I've been lucky enough that most of the coaches I've worked under have allowed me to do that and and really help them be su successful as well. So, 
Uh, yeah, reach out, let your guys work, man. That's what, the, that's what you're paying them big bucks for. Mm-hmm. Big bucks. Ah. Um, all right, coach, we've reached the uh, the new topic or the new uh, part of the podcast, and we're hoping this gets some of you guys to stick around. I don't really look at viewership towards like per time. I don't know what that looks like. Maybe YouTube tells you, but um, so we're going to do a little rankings tonight. So we've we've all seen on in the Twitter sphere the top 10 this, top 10 that, right, of football. And so that's where Kenny and I are going to get started tonight, and we're going to do top 10 football movies. So, Coach, I'm going to let you go ahead and talk about your top 10 football movies and some reasons why, and then uh, and I'll list mine. Sure. Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and start from the bottom and kind of work up. So these are top 10 football movies of all time. I'm going to go ahead and say the ones that did not make my list first. So I had three. So I really kind of cheated and did 13 here, Daniel. But I had three. Invincible, one of my favorite movies, didn't quite make my list. The Blind Side is another great movie, didn't quite make the list. And then We Are Marshall. So these are ones that were right off the list. So when you think, why did I leave that off? They were right there, didn't quite make it. All good movies. So uh, these are my top 10, though. So number 10, it, can, it gives you exactly what age I am, Varsity Blues. I thought that was when I was coming through high school, went played high school kind of in the South. Man, that was pretty accurate for, unfortunately, for how a lot of high schools went. But great movie. Uh, number nine, The Program. I think if you've seen The Program, you understand, you know, great football movie. Uh, number eight, one of my favorite comedies. Uh, the Replacements, Keanu Reeves does a great job in that movie. Um, great, great job. Number, number seven, probably the saddest ending, uh, but I actually read the book and watched the movie. So Friday Night Lights, I thought they did a great job staying pretty close to the book. Again, high school football in Texas is, is pretty accurate to what it was. Um, number six is Greater. I'm an Arkansas guy, so I got to give a shout out to Burlesworth. You know, I thought that was a great movie. Took my kids to watch it, and the whole family cried at the end of the movie. So but it was a great movie. If you've never seen it, the movie Greater uh, is about Arkansas football. Uh, is a really good movie. Number five is The Water Boy, another comedy. I'm a huge Adam Sandler fan. I can quote and quote and quote and quote that movie over and over. One of my favorite movies to watch. Uh, number four, The Original, not the new. The new one's good, too, but The Original Longest Yard. I, I do like the new one, too. I'm not downplaying it. Another Adam Sandler movie. Of course, I like it. But the original, hard to beat that one. Hard to beat that one. Number three, Any Given Sunday. I thought the speech, the inches are everywhere around us. My One of my favorite scenes of the entire movie. Great movie. Uh, Jamie Foxx does a great job on that, too. Number two, Remember the Titans. Classic. Classic movie. Uh, I think movie you, I could watch probably once a week. Easily. Denzel Washington does a great job in that. My number one football movie, because I love the underdog and I'm not even a Notre Dame fan, is Rudy. And I'm not, again, like I mentioned, not a Notre Dame fan, a big fan of Rudy, big fan of that movie, just kind of that whole genre it was all about. All right, so Daniel, what did I screw up and what you what do you have? I uh, your your list is good. As good as gold, as good as anybody else's list, I think. I'll go through mine. Um Mine's a little different. I'm going to open with this. I have never seen the program. And I understand that I have got to watch it. And I don't know why. I've, maybe I saw it as like a youth and I just can't remember it. Maybe I'll get into it and like, oh, yeah, I remember this. But everyone talks about it even could be the number one greatest movie of all time in sports. But I've never seen it. So uh, my top 10 football movies are a little bit different. Um, number 10 is Little Giants. 
I think that sometimes we get a little big for our britches as coaching. Um, and I don't know that it even matters what level you're at, but if you just go back and think about number one, uh, you know, we always talk about treat the janitor the same as the CEO. Like that's something we kind of live by in, in my household. And if you're just shucking those kids away, there's times that your program needs them or, or they need you more than you need them. And so I always think about little giants, right? Uh, Waterboy, once again, just for the, the, the comedy of it all, I think we all have uh, given a Bobby Boucher squeal and, and ran at something in our lifetime. <laughs> just as many of us try to shoot spider webs out of our hands, right? We've all done it. Don't act like you haven't. Um, any given Sunday is my number eight. Number seven, the blind side. It moved down. I used to like it a lot more, and it's one of my wife's favorite movies, so it it used to be higher on the list. But then the the guy that it's about, he came out and said, that movie really kind of made me look like an idiot, like I am, you know, can't read, I'm super stupid. Yeah. yeah, and he was like, that's not me at all. So the movie was completely bogus and false, but still a good premise. Um, so so good show overall. You know, I just, I, I really like heartfelt movies, so it worked for me. Varsity Blues, this one could be anywhere through the top six. It's, it is what everybody wants their high school to be like, I think, right? Um, you have to love, and me being a new coach, you got to love when the old guy's getting ran off, like out with the old, in with the new way of thinking, quit running. You know, I like run the ball. Don't, don't let me lie. I, I, we talk about everything. Run the dang ball, right? But uh, just kind of getting things spread out there. The Replacements, man, that's something that I have, I've watched that movie more than almost any other movie in my lifetime. I absolutely love it. Same thing. It's just that it's comedy. It's it's just gold. I love it. Friday Night Lights because it was once again high school football that we all actually felt. There was the guy that was too drunk to practice half the time. There was the guy that was strung out on pills. Like you're you're just like what what is going on here? How did they capture everybody's high school at the same time? When they, when they duct tape the ball to his hands was crazy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, longest Yard. I'm a new school fan. I think I saw the old one way back in the day. Um, Burt Reynolds, right, was the original. He yep. was the guy, and now he gets to keep playing. You know, he's the, the running back in the new one. So um, I'm a big fan of the new school. I'll have to go back and watch the old one and compare them, but that's my number three. Number two is Remember the Titans. I think it still speaks to the stuff that we're facing every day, and I have been in um, mainly schools dealing with Native children, uh, but we still see that. That's that segregation of the classes or the segregation of, of races and what. For some reason, we can't figure out that we're all humans, and it's just very, very weird to me. But that movie just reminds you every time you watch it, like, have a heart, go out. The kids are just kids. Treat them all the same. I don't, I don't know where that gets lost in, in today's society, but sometimes it does. And my number one, and maybe this is, it just speaks to my analytical mind, but I love Draft Day. That's Draft cool. Day is my all-time favorite football movie. I can watch it anytime. I watch it every year on Draft Day for the NFL. Um Huge Kevin Costner fan, and just you know the the ending and the way it all plays out is just perfect. But once again, he takes you know the the kid that needs him, the the one that has all the nephews he's trying to take care of, and the the true heartfelt story. So that's my number one. I know it looks a little bit different than yours, and you've got some that I don't have, but um, that's I kind of feel like that's that's my top ten list. So yeah, I've never even seen Draft Day, so now I have to watch it. Oh man, yeah, you'll love it. It's absolutely awesome. Um, I'm not a Browns fan, and it's you know kind of based around the Cleveland Browns. It's but it's really good, so it's worth a watch at least once. Um, all right, man. Well, that brings us to the end of the episode. We uh, have covered our what not to do, our top ten rankings, and then uh, you know our three pieces, which is you know how to organize your staff, key positions, make sure you have a good coach in front of, which is all of them. But you know sometimes you have to prioritize, and then how do you develop that staff so that they all can be those good coaches? 
Uh, any final things here, Coach? Uh, no, I think we're good. I can just uh, awesome. I close Sleep. it on up. Absolutely. So if you can uh, let us know one more time, what are, what's a way that coaches can keep things simple and go to a place and find all that in one place? Sure. Uh, Coaching 101 podcast is sponsored by Find Away Materials. Find Away Materials hosts the offensivecoordinatoracademy.com. All things offense, including the full academy, quarterback workbook, offensive line workbook, offensive coordinator workbook. If you want anything where you can work through and process your own stuff on the offensive side of the ball, you can find it at offensivecoordinatoracademy.com. Also, defensivecoordinatoracademy.com. All things defense, from the full academy for the defensive coordinator to the academy for the defensive line coach to all things in between, including smaller uh, materials, including some free materials, defensivecoordinatoracademy.com. Finally, fbcoachsimpson.com. All things gun tee related, so the gun tee system, all the books. There are about 30 total books now, gun tee, non-gun tee, defense, all kinds of things you might like including those workbooks we were talking about. Also, the three-fourths form defensive system is over at fbcoachsimpson.com. Also, headsets, the magazine, free digital magazine. And so you can subscribe to this podcast, of course, where you are now. But if you'd like to get more information of when the podcast is coming out and other uh, materials might be coming out, go over to fbcoachsimpson.com slash podcast. That's fbcoachsimpson.com slash podcast, and we'll make sure you get an email anytime something is released. Awesome. And uh, I mentioned Adaptable PT earlier. Come by Grove, Oklahoma, see my wife, let her help you out, your kids out, your grandma out, whoever it is that's hurting, uh, concussions. You know, we're getting to that time of the year where we're starting to put some helmets on, and, and you know, you're going to have some concussions, unfortunately, but... Um, reach out to a specialist. If it isn't my wife, find someone. Find someone who knows what they're talking about, someone who's well-studied in the modern way to handle concussions. It is no longer sitting in a dark room for a week and waiting for the symptoms to go away. It's movement. It's getting out. Stay away from contact, but we're, we're, we're beyond sitting in a dark room. Also, my other project is uh, athleticspeedandmovement.com. It is a place where we're helping you teach your kids to be fast. I know everyone always says you can't coach speed, but I absolutely think that's bogus. Um, most of your kids don't know how to run. They don't understand the physics of it, and you might not either. Go over to athleticspeedandmovement.com, sign up there today, um, and you can get an understanding of how to make your kids run fast. And our goal there is for every one of you, when you go on an away game, they left the grass long for you. So if you show up and the grass is three inches long, you know that they think you're fast and they're afraid of it. So that's how we want all of you to be. Uh, we, we wish that you all had to play on long grass on away games. So athleticspeedmovement.com. All right. We want to thank you for being a oh, social media. Almost forgot, man. Social media here um, on Twitter. I am at coach chambo. Okay. You can also catch me at email at Chamberlain football consulting at gmail.com. Look up Wilt Stilt, copy his last name, put it in front of football consulting at gmail.com. You'll get me uh, coach Simpson. Where can we get you at, sir? Um, all things FB coach Simpson. So FB coach Simpson, on Twitter, fbcoachsimpson at gmail.com is my email. Again, feel free to shoot myself or Daniel an email. If you have a topic you'd like us to cover or a guest you'd like us to bring on or you want to come on, just let us know. We'll make sure we take it, take care of you. And I think we've got a, a Twitter account for the podcast as well, Daniel. I'll let you do that. Yep. Podcast is at coaching101pod. That's on Twitter. 
Uh, man, we, we share our episodes there. We have some little clips of each episode going throughout the week. Our top 10 lists and graphics will be on there here pretty shortly if they're not already. So uh, it's a great place to just kind of keep up with what the podcast is doing. Also, same thing, if you want to reach out there, you can tag us in a post or whatever. Feel free to share our you know little quips or whatever it is you want to do. It's a great place just to socially network. Lots of other coaches are on there as well, so it's a place for you to kind of be in a a room with other coaches that are trying to make themselves better. You know, we talked about development as key for coaches. That's a place where coaches are all trying to get better. We want to thank you for being a listener of the Coaching 101 podcast. We hope you'll join us next week as we continue to make the complex more simple. Please consider subscribing to the show so you'll always know when the new episodes are out. Check out our YouTube as well, and that's over at FB Coach Simpson on YouTube, and he's got the podcast episodes listed there. Um, we will leave you with this. It's hard to beat someone who never gives up, no matter the situation. Find a way.